We are going to be talking about the book of Daniel this morning. And uh, before we got, get rolling too much, I just want to remind you that this is the word of God. This is the word of God. Uh, I, I know it's become popular in the last months. Uh, if you need a fact checker, it's right here. It's right here. It's right here. Um, and it's not that things outside of here are not true. You just don't know it, right? Uh, and in this world today, you feel uh, curious and suspicious even of, you know, uh, everyone and, and every uh, bit of information that you get. And that's good. That's good. This is God's truth. This is what we should be listening to. Um, lots to talk about. Um, before we get really rolling, I, I want to pray uh, for a study uh, in the weeks to come. I think it'll just be, it'll be months, but not, probably not years, uh, um, the book of Daniel. But I I want to pray that God would use the book of Daniel in in our lives. This is the word of God. This is the truth. And I want to warn you about something, even before we pray, that sometimes uh, we connect the dots too closely to the word of God. And let me explain what I mean by this. Um, when uh, you look in the Old Testament especially and you see, you know, parting of the Red Sea, right? And the Egyptians uh, did the dead man float, right? Uh, in that time and you go, God's going to do that right now. In America, in the world, he's going to, you know, and, and you connect. Uh, and it's not that that's not the heart of God, that he's always bringing about justice and bringing about Um, taking care of his people. In fact, that's why we study uh, the Old Testament is we see a connection for us as God's people in this time in this place, but not uh, specifically the nation of Israel. And so we, I want to be careful. I I didn't, um, as I thought about this in the last couple of months, preaching through the book of Daniel, had nothing to do with the inauguration. Uh, I didn't plan that it would be in the week of the inauguration and I, I don't, uh, as I see things going forward, sometimes we look at the word of God and we think that there's somehow, Pastor Kevin preached that this week because he knows like, no, it's just, this is the word of God. And we are left with the spirit of God to apply uh, God's goodness, his power, his word uh, to our present situation. And our present situation is fluid and crazy, but the word of God is sure and uh, even as we go through, I'll, I'll explain a little bit in the weeks ahead what's going to happen in the book of Daniel, kind of give you a preview of that. Um, but let's pray and just ask that God would use this book in our church and our lives and in this time. God, thank you for speaking to us, for having a message that would be important for your people who, apart from you, know nothing and apart from your salvation, are lost. God, I I thank you for your son Jesus, that uh, because of him, my debt is paid and the victory's won. And so as we go to this study, God, I ask that you would use this powerfully in our lives. I ask for reassurance of that which we already know and that you would teach us new things that you would cause us to trust you more, that we would uh, find a greater humility and a greater faithfulness and obedience. Uh, God, help us to be able to handle and you'd prepare us for 
things that may be difficult, God, that we would uh, be your people and walk faithfully with you no matter what. God, help us to trust you for the things to come as well, that we would not get our own ideas, but we would trust in the one who has the plan and is working it out, bringing it to fruition. God, do your work here at Bear Valley Church. God, obviously we uh, need lots of help and lots of change. God, uh, we'd ask that you would draw people to yourself even in this time, in this place. And that you would cause us to be more uh, ready and excited to go to be with you forever. God, thank you for your church this time in the book of Daniel, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get fancy this morning. Okay, I'm going to use uh, a bunch of uh, slides. Slides. Um, you know, we're going to have the slide projector. Some of you don't even know what a slide projector is. And missionary is going to come home and have a slideshow. Um, anyways, um, we're going to uh, just kind of walk through some things. And I, I want to give you a perspective of the book of Daniel. And to get, you know, once you start, you know, getting a few steps from book of Daniel, then you want a few steps more, and then you get a few steps more. And we start out, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to take us initially to the book of Genesis. So anyways, but first of all, I want, I want to tell you some of my thinking as I look at the book of Daniel, why we are going to study the book of Daniel. And so uh, the first thing we're going to see is, well, one of the first things, big themes of the book of Daniel is the difference between human kings and the real king. And there is a difference. There is a difference. Um, we, uh, we, we look at presidents, right, in our country, and we, we mark them back from the first president, and we go, this one was a good one, this was a bad one, four, to, four years, this one served eight years, and this one came. Like, we, we chronicle that. We, we look for those details. It's part of our history, or part of our history. And I, I want to say it this way, take even a step back, it's human leadership, human leadership. Uh, and you can take that back to the smallest and the most insignificant a- a relationships. Um, sometimes we look in families and we say, well, there was a, a good brother and a bad brother, right? Um, and really, even as we looked at the kids here and they were talking about it and, you know, are you good or are you bad? The, the kids know it too, that even the kids that are doing, uh, want to be kind and good, a lot of times they're not. And that's true of us, right? And what happens in leadership, even if it's just a husband, just a mom, just an older brother, just a, a, a guy at work that uh, he's been on the job two years and someone comes behind him and he's only been one, like, like that's a form of leadership, the guy who's been around a little bit longer, uh, just a middle manager, right? Or a, a, an owner of a small business here in town that has a few employees, What's revealed in them is where they're at, where they're at. Some days they come to work and they're ready to be a good leader and they're, they're, they're walking in humility and they're, they're uh, really thinking about what God wants, has for them and what, how he has for them to be a good worker and, and they're a great leader. And then other days, their flesh takes over. They're a jerk, and they're, they're someone who is driven by selfishness. They're narcissistic. It's a great word, 
Think about it often. You'll see it in leaders all the time. And even in the smallest local, even family type relationships, you'll see those weaknesses borne out and even strengths borne out. And how they're magnified, the greater positions of leadership, even leadership in our country, and even as we look to God's people, the kings, the kings. And the kings, the kings, you know, there's a phrase that says it's great to be king because the king gets whatever he wants, supposedly. Um, that is borne out, what's in their heart, what, how that plays out. And, and there's implications, there's implications for those who follow, right? The, the leadership, um, you know, the, the ones following or the ones who are under that leadership, they are the ones who pay the penalty if it's bad leadership, but also experience the blessing if it's good. And so, so we're going to see human leadership Human leadership in the book of Daniel. We're going to see that over and over again. And we're going to see both uh, moments of goodness, very few, uh, moments of goodness, but also uh, weakness over and over again. And then the last part of the book of, of Daniel is really the true king, the true king. And when he brings about his plan. And it's funny, uh, Kings always have a plan, right? Leaders always have a plan. And most of the time we judge a, a leader on whether they can execute and accomplish their plan. Um, when, when you look at the book of Daniel, you'll realize that there were successes in leadership and maybe at cost, you know. They were able to bring things about. But God is showing his leadership, his amazing leadership over all of humanity, all of this world, and all of time, bringing about his plan, bringing it to fruition. And uh, beautiful and magnificent and glorifying to him, uh, bringing that plan. So we're going to see leadership in terms of human leadership next to real leadership, the God of this um, universe. The second thing we're going to look at is uh, faithfulness to God when things don't go your way. I know that sounds very simplistic, and it is. It is. Um, Did something not go your way this week? What did you do? I hope you didn't, you know, throw yourself on the ground and start pounding the ground. At least not when people were around, right? You know, it's okay if you do that in the privacy of your home, but if it's in the middle of Walmart or something like that, that would be a little rough. Faithfulness to God when things don't go your way. I think that many of us, Uh, have this contingent plan, right? We say, uh, God, if you bless me and make everything go my way, then I will follow you in faithfulness. And we're going to see in the book of Daniel, especially the first part, uh, things didn't go necessarily their way. In fact, it was pretty um, significant. And uh, you see the faithfulness of God's people. That's what we're looking to be. That's what we're looking to be. I know, I know this world's complicated. I know that uh, there's plenty of frustrating things, and some of us get frustrated more than others. Um, and and I, I just want to encourage you that, that the book of Daniel has some great, incredible messages for us that we would learn to be faithful, learn to be faithful to God. Um, and then lastly, to see God's goodness to his people all the time. God's goodness to his people all the time. 
and, and I wrote in there past, present, and future. Um, I think it's important uh, that we see that God was good to us in the past and that we're able to see right here, right now, whatever's going on in the present, that God is being good to us right now. It's not when things change. It's not when you get your way. But in the present, right now, God is being good to us. And then uh, the great hope of the future, to see his plan working out, that he is uh, planning to be faithful and good to us. You know, he's, it's like the, the great birthday party that moms and dads, you know, they're preparing for a long time because I want something good for you on that day. Uh, know this, that God is working on that. He is planning on being good to us as he has in the past and even in the present. And so those are the things that we're going to see. I want to uh, start in Daniel chapter 1, looking at verses 1 and 2. And I want to ask the question, how did Daniel get into captivity? (laughs) As you, if you don't know anything about the book of Daniel, Daniel, the book of Daniel is a book set in captivity said in captivity, that Daniel is a follower of God, a follower of God, and him and others are in captivity. And we pick up the story in verse 1, and it says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. Um. Jehoiakim, he was the king of Judah, king of God's people, the southern kingdom, we'll get there, uh, the southern and northern kingdom. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, or Iran, if you want to put it that way, uh, Middle, Middle East, you know, he's over there. King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Jerusalem being God's holy city, his place, the center of God's people, and besieged it. Um. Nebuchadnezzar came, uh, not a follower of God, just uh, like every other king. You can think of Nero, right? Uh, it's a similar, that he, Nebuchadnezzar, was that kind of king. Uh, big deal. He had he'd conquered other places. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was not just looking at Judah and Jerusalem, but he went to other places and conquered them as well. And says that he conquered Jehoiakim. And so we're going to back it up a little bit and really get to this place. How could that happen? And, and this is the question that uh, kind of plagues us over and over again. How could God, so God's people being Judah, Jerusalem, Daniel, Jehoiakim was his king. How could God, how, how do we get to the place where God's people lose, lose to a wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, narcissistic, doesn't care about God. And, and not just that, uh, that he would come and win, but that many would be taken into captivity. We'll talk a little bit about who went into captivity and how that happened next week. But Daniel was taken into captivity Uh, to go and to be uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, okay? 
I want to back us up to the book of Genesis chapter 12. And what we're looking at uh, is a birth of a people, God's people. And in Genesis chapter 12, you have Abram, Abram. And you can read before and after some of the implications of this. But Abram, uh, you say, well, I don't know too many Abrams in the Bible. His name will be changed to Abraham, okay? Uh, Abram, uh, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That was peculiar. People didn't do that. People didn't move. If you're born in Tehachapi, you were stuck here, okay? Uh, in the same way that, that just happened in uh, ancient times. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your kindred, uh, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make uh, your name great so that you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and uh, him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Um, I, I just in verse two, it says, make of you a great nation. So Abram's just a guy, right? He's just a guy. He would be like you or like me. And uh, he's doing his thing. He's living. He's part of generations. He has a heritage. And he's just in there. And God picks him out of all the world. And he says, of you, Abraham, Abram, I'm going to change your name later. Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation, a great nation. This is where we can point to uh, the book of Genesis chapter 12, where God begins to make his people, his people. He says, uh, great nation, I will bless you and make your name great uh, so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. <laughs> Verse three um, is kind of the driving force even today of that people would partner with the nation of Israel. Uh, you know, as, as we bless those who are called by his name, that there will be a blessing for those who bless Israel. Anyways, this is the beginning, the birth of a people, and I would say it this way, God's people, God's people. And as we walk on from here, and as God's people, and I'm talking generations, God continues to say, this is my special people. Now, I want you to get this, that uh, especially in the book of 1 Peter, it kind of goes back to this. In the New Testament, there's a distinction between Israel and the church, Israel and the church. But there's also a similarity that's very important for us to get. It's this idea that God tenderly and patiently and in long-suffering in the Old Testament loves his people. And even past, the, the idea that even today he, he loves his people. And as the church now, uh, as we are God's people, we are not just like Israel, but there are some similarities in that he is patient with us. He loves us. He cares for us. He provides for us. He's patient with us. And so as we're looking at this, we'll see these similarities over and over again. But we see a birth of a people and know this, they're God's people. And as you look at all the nations, all the nations, and I, I said this last week, to remember when you see that word nations, uh, it's describing those who are not uh, God's people. And I just want to tell you that even as we are the United States of America, there will be blessing on us as a nation, our connection to Israel, and also our faithfulness 
to obey and to acknowledge God over us, God over us. Um, and to differing degrees, that's true in every nation and every time. So we see uh, a birth of a people. Now we go on from there and, and know this, that uh, much of the Old Testament is, uh, is a God-spoken history book. Not like the one they use at Tatchby High School. Not like the one you used at whatever college you went to. Um, that, those are mixed bags, once again, right? There's some good stuff in there, true stuff in there. History is a funny thing, right? Because when we, st- how many of you like studying history? Um, it's very interesting. Um, and it get, can be more interesting depending on who's writing that history, right? Um, it can be interesting and not accurate, right? And, and the problem with history is we're not there, Right? And it's interesting because even if we were there, we can only speak of what we saw and how accurately we saw it. Um, you know, uh, none of you were on the Mayflower, right? And so we take the writings and the eyewitness accounts and we kind of patch them together. And we get bits and pieces, but I'm sure there was more to the story. I'm sure there was. And so it's hard. And so this is why it's so exciting to study the Old Testament and the Bible. Why? Because it's God-inspired, accurate history for us to learn. Anyways, uh, we, go to, uh, we go from a birth of a people. We're, we're leaving there. We're leaving there. And I, I just want to get to say this, to the, say this, that, that most of us refer to this section, Abraham, and then his son Isaac and Jacob, which his name will be changed to Israel. Okay, a similar thing to Abram and Abraham. As the fathers, the founding fathers, really, of God's people. Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. Jacob, how many sons did he have? Bunch, but 12 is the one that we, the, and, and we worked that out. And uh, How many of you remember any stories from Jacob's sons, Right? There was this one deal that you will see at the end of the book of Genesis, right? That he had a special son. Remember the guy with the coat? Uh, Joseph, the coat of many colors. He had the special son, the little brother. He sent him out to check on his other brothers. And part of those, tw- those you know, that would one day be the tribes, okay? And as, uh, as he went out there, he... Um, they didn't like him very much because he was sharing all these dreams that God was going to make him greater than his brothers. And by the way, if you're a little sibling, uh, your older siblings will not appreciate uh, this if you think that God has made you better than them, okay? Anyways, but he shared with them and they they really abused him and uh, eventually sold him and as part of God's plan, sent him down to Egypt. Sent him down to Egypt, okay? So we have... um, we have the fathers, and then we really have the, ten, uh, the 12 tribes. Um, as you follow on the story of Joseph, uh, it, it's interesting. At the end of, I shouldn't go too much into this because it'll take too long. But anyways, when uh, Jacob dies, when Jacob dies, it's very interesting. I think it's in chapter 48 or so of Genesis, somewhere in there. It, he's on his deathbed, and he's really talking about the blessing that would go, like the inheritance, if you will. And all the brothers had problems. Like you, you see that throughout the story and, and you wonder who's going to get you know, the birthright basically. And it, it's not the first, I think it's three or four, but it, it falls to Judah. 
And as you look at Judah in the book of Genesis, you realize Judah was a scoundrel. Like he was not a good guy. And you go, why would God use as his line Judah? And I just want to tell you this. Why would he use you for anything? I want to tell you it's a picture of his grace. Uh, we, we think that it would fall to Joseph because he was the guy with the coat of many colors, and it was not. Joseph was there for a time, really to save his brother Judah, that he would be a part of the line of Christ. Anyways, uh, so we have a birth of a people. Fathers are Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, turns to Israel. Uh, sons, the, the tribes, uh, goes on. You get to the book of Moses, or the book of Exodus, sorry, the book of Moses, getting there. I'm just rolling um, and getting uh, off track a little bit. Anyways, uh, in the book of Exodus, what do you have? You have, uh, it starts out with someone who didn't, you know, uh, there wasn't the, the heritage. Moses is down with uh, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Egypt. In Egypt, they grow to be this amazing, large, supernatural uh, you know, nation, right? Millions of people. And they're slaves. They're enslaved. They're visitors, basically, in the country of Pharaoh. And God raises up Moses. Moses. Um, And then uh, as Moses goes, you know, he exits. He's wandering in the wilderness, right? And you think that he's going to go in, but you realize because of his unfaithfulness, he's not going to go into the promised land, the promised land. And then Joshua comes up. And it, the book of Joshua starts out after the death of Moses. After the death of Moses, you go through Joshua going into the land. The end of the book of Joshua is the, the tribes going out and sectioning off really the promised land. Okay. And those are the tribes of Israel, okay? And then we get to the book of Judges. And now we're going to look at uh, no king, no kings to kings, okay? In Judges chapter 21, verse 25, I think that's the next slide, I don't know. Oh, actually, perfect. Um, no kings to kings, we'll get there. But in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, it says this, listen. It says, um, there, were, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Um, that's a, a, I don't know if you hear people quoting that, but they're not quoting it about that time. They're quoting it about their household uh, or their country or their city or a baseball team. or Like there was no leadership. There was no king in Israel. Uh, in fact, the book of Judges is just a picture of sin over and over again, reoccurring sin, reoccurring sin. And this is the, if you think about the book of Judges, um, there were leaders, there were judges, but the judges were kind of like, um, they they spoke for God, but they were kind of just to disputes and kind of sat back. They weren't necessarily leaders, okay? But this is what's hard about this, is that, uh, as God's people, we don't need a leader. We don't need a leader. We don't need a king. We don't need a boss. We don't. Why? We have God. We have God. And we can do the right thing. We can do the right thing individually as well as a group if we just look to him. We, we can do that. But we don't. 
but we don't. Might do it for a time. We might uh, uh, have this idea that, um, you know, I'm doing real well here for a while, and then I get off track. And, and this is the picture. In the book of Judges, it's a very fascinating study to look at the sin. And, and as self-righteous, arrogant, after the Bible's been written, Christians, we go, why were they so dumb? Why couldn't they figure this out? And uh, I don't think they can see us from heaven because they'd be frustrated. But anyways, if they could see us from heaven, those believers, they'd go, why are they so dumb? They have the whole Bible. Didn't they see what we did? Didn't they get that whole thing of uh, learning from others' mistakes? It was obvious in the Old Testament that we were unfaithful and God was patient and we should have listened to him. And why don't they do that? Because of our weakness. Um, so there's no king in Israel. Uh, they wanted a king. They wanted to be like everybody else. And so uh, God gave uh, them a king, really, a king that was just like, um, in many ways, just like the other kings. We see the kings, and the, uh, those first three kings, Saul, David, Solomon, okay? And, and we're getting some numbers in here now, too, but uh, B.C., and just remember that the B.C., is before Christ or right around there. People think within four years. I don't, I don't know how that well works together. I can work it out, and different people have worked it out different ways. But anyways, uh, we're 2021, um, and that's uh, a 1,000 backwards. So, you know, do the math. 3,041 years ago. 41? Yeah, sure. Uh I don't care about that. Saul, Saul, he was the first king. Saul was the first king. And I think it's important. I I couldn't figure out how to do these icons as I should. As you look at these three kings, these Saul, David, Solomon, I think, uh, I don't know, uh, walk through the Bible, had this little thing that I went through a long time ago. Saul was one with no heart, with no heart for God. Like he he was just like all the other kings, you know, he tried, and some days he was good, but most of the days he, went, he didn't really have a heart for God. And you see his failings, uh, and God removed him, Saul. And then came David. It says of David that he was a man after God's own heart. He had a heart. It wasn't that he was perfect, not by any sense, but he had a heart for God. And then we come to Solomon, who a couple of weeks ago Brandon uh, preached on, uh, that he was... Uh, and, and I think it's probably accurate to say that he had half a heart for God. Uh, he, his heart was divided. His heart was divided. Uh, once again, uh, amazing. God blessed him. Amazing. Because of his prayers, because of his desire to please him when he was young, God gave him uh, great blessings. And yet, as you see him live out his life, great failings as well. Um, even as we look at the book of Ecclesiastes and some of the things that are chronicled in the book of uh, Kings and Chronicles, the, the, the idea, the picture of what uh, Solomon was and how he, how he did things was showed that uh, it was very fleshly, very fleshly. And also, uh, in some ways, uh, he honored God in those days. So you have these three, these three kings. Um, and as you think about these three kings... Um, much is written about them. Uh, much is written about them. Then we come to the divided kingdom. And uh, after Solomon's death, there was basically, you would say, a civil war, a break. And uh, 
you, you see them separating out, Judah in the southern kingdom and then Israel in the north. And as we look at that, you, you get a whole different view uh, and line of kings. And if you can bring up that next slide, that'd be awesome, the divided kingdom. And there, there you see them. At, um, right above them are the three kings above Judah and Israel right there. And then you have these lists of kings right there, um, two columns. If you look at the right column, let me tell you about the right column. All of them were bad. <laughs> you, you, uh, you wonder what it is to live in the United States. And you can't believe the place where all of them were bad. And depending on uh, how you look at the left column, um, some have suggested eight of them were good. That might be a high number. Uh, some have suggested only four of them were good kings. And so what you have is a history of hundreds of years of bad things happening with God's people. Hundreds of years. I, I want you to get this picture in your mind that this wasn't just uh, a bad four-year stint. Okay? This wasn't just, you know... Uh, I, learned a lot about our political process in the last few months. It wasn't just uh, a congressman that was for two years or senator for six. It was uh, a period of time, one right after the other, uh, that were bad kings, and very few of them uh, did anything good, and, and fewer yet had a, uh, a reign of goodness that would honor the Lord. Which brings me, I want to take a step back into something in the Old Testament, the covenants. If you go to the next slide. Um, and, and as we look at the, the covenants, I, I want to say this, that we're just going to look at briefly five covenants in the Old Testament. And when you hear the word covenant, I want you to think promise, promise. God's making a promise. It's more than that. It's more significant. But that's kind of the word that we use. God promised. God promised. And there's a lot that can be said about each one of these covenants, but God promising is different than you and I promise. I promise, I promise that we'll be here next week, 9 o'clock and 1045 for church. And then I'll start saying, well, unless something happens between now and then. Uh, unless I'm sick, you know, or something happens or... We get shut down. By the way, um, you know, we might have a power outage tomorrow morning because uh, we live in Bear Valley Springs, and, you know, out in the sticks. And sometimes their power works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, sometimes the power poles can stay up, sometimes they can't. Uh, anyways, uh, but uh, exciting times, right? Maybe power, maybe not. Um, I, I just want to say, so, so we, we as God's people, uh, in the church now, we experience some of these things as well. We promise things. We have good intentions. But God has made promises that he has recorded in his word thousands of years ago. That he's still working out. And I, I say working out. It's not that he couldn't figure out how to get them done already. It wasn't part of his plan. But he still remains faithful to those. And it's dependent on his power not on ours or even our faithfulness, for that matter. So anyways, uh, I want to highlight five, um, real briefly, covenants. He made a covenant with Adam 
the beginning stages. And that covenant is a little bit wider than some of the others, both in promises before Adam fell, but also encompassing some promises after, okay? That he made some promises to Adam. He made a promise or a covenant with Noah. And we best know that for the rainbow that will never flood the earth again. It'll never ruin the earth like that again. Which brings us to the covenant with Abraham. We looked at that, a part of that, uh, when we see the beginning of Abram's life. Abram to Abraham. That is part of that covenant that he was promising. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless your family. Uh, I'm going to bless those who bless you. That was him promising that to Abraham. And, and, and we work some of these things out. I just want to tell you, Abraham didn't know about Jesus. I mean, he kind of did, but he kind of didn't. And, and I'm sure at night, Abraham lay there and he'd go, how am I and my offspring going to be a great nation? I'm just a guy. You know, I got, got some sheep and I got some things going on, but great nation? I don't get it. And some people don't even know about me. And how will they bless me if they, like, I don't get it. Uh, we see it uh, coming out in the scripture. Abraham, uh, we go to Moses, right? And, and Moses was, God made a promise with Moses. He, he explained to him that I'm going to take care of you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you. Which brings us to the covenant with David, okay? Covenant with David. Once again, a similar one to Abraham that he uh, was looking at him and he says, you know, that, that the kingdom uh, will come through you. It'll, it'll be part of who you are. Um, as, as we look at this, this uh, covenant that he made with David, I, I think that's uh, kind of where it gives us the backdrop. That and the Abrahamic covenant uh, really gives us the backdrop to the uh, time of Daniel, Okay. Covenant with David, we see in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7, verse 16, it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Okay? And so as, as we look at that forever kingdom, we realize, huh, th- those things haven't happened. As we look at this line, okay, in the Old Testament, I hope I'm not confusing you too much. If a little bit, man. Eh. Um, but Abraham... Uh, it's all connected, and it's all connected for years and years and years to David. It continues on through uh, David's half-hearted son, Solomon, and all those crazy kings after him. It continues on through there. And as you read through all these kings, you're going, well, what happened to those promises? Are the promises done? Will God be able to fulfill his promise? Brings us back. Can you, can you go a few back? Uh, okay, great. This will be good. And then we'll go back to that list of kings. Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. Moses, you shall be my treasured possession for all peoples. David, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. This is what uh, is the backdrop. These promises are the backdrop of what's happening in the book of Daniel. And when I say what's happening, I'm talking about the captivity, the captivity. Now, if you could uh, go back a few slides to the the long list. Now, the one before that. Perfect. 
I had Zach circle with a red pen. I don't know if it was a red pen. Jehoiakim. That's the king. That's the king that we're talking about in Daniel chapter 1. And really, uh, it's going to go on and talk about the king after that too, the 1597, okay? Those kings. That was the king. That was the king that was uh, taken in captivity. That was the time where Nebuchadnezzar came. After uh, hundreds of years of bad kings, it comes to Jehoiakim. Now, I want to show you in 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 1 through 6. Perfect. Um, God's word says this, and this is uh, what happened. It's the, the history part of them being taken over by Nebuchadnezzar. It's very similar to chapter 1. 2 Kings chapter 24 says this. In his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Surely this came upon uh, Judah, uh, skipping verse 2. Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done, and also for the innocent blood that he had shed. For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not pardon. Now the rest of the deeds of Jehoiakim and all that he did, are, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Jehoiakim slept with his fathers, and Jehoiachin, uh, his son, reigned in his place. Those are the two kings there. What I want to point out um, is why were they in captivity? I think it's the next slide. Why were they in captivity? No, sorry, I just put those in my notes. I'm going to get this whole slide thing down. I really have three things, three things, and, and they're really not profound. They're really not profound. How does uh, a country or a people, how, how, what happens to get them into bad times, difficult times, according to the will of God? The first thing is this, bad leadership, bad leadership. When things are a mess, when things are a mess, shoot the leader. I didn't mean that, <laughs> okay? Um, when things are a mess, when things are a mess in a home, look to the husband, look to the father. Their leadership. It's not that others didn't participate, but it's bad leadership. And when I say bad leadership, this is what I'm talking about. As we look in the scriptures, and we're going to see in the book of Daniel, it's selfishness, it's pride, it's laziness. It's, uh, you, you know, you can do the myriad of sins that can bring about uh, bad leadership. But I, I'm just saying that that leadership is bad. What was true, what was true in a time where Nebuchadnezzar came in was bad leadership. The king was bad. I, I want to say it this way, though. So were the other ones before him. It, it was a long line of bad kings. It was a long line. The second, that's why they went into captivity. That, that was the obvious reason that they became captives was bad leadership. Second thing I, I would say is true. It was bad followers. It was bad followers. Just regular everyday people. It says, uh, in this passage, uh, verse 4, and also innocent blood that he had shed. 
For he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not pardon. Why, what was going on in Jerusalem? It wasn't just one king doing bad things. It's that there was blood filled in the streets. It was, it was a picture of sins of followers. And I want to tell you this. We're going to see in the book of Daniel. We're going to see it. Uh, it's there. That uh, I want to say just a normal person uh, or a singular person walking faithfully with God under ungodly leadership. I, I think that's powerful. I, I think that's life-changing. Uh, we say, well, if the president would be different or the prime minister or the king or the queen or whoever, I, if they would be different, it's all their fault. And it is all their fault. But what's your responsibility? What's your responsibility? It was the leadership, but it was also the normal followers. They were, they were faithless people. They were people that were uh, falling in step with ungodliness. And then lastly, I would say this, the plan of God. The plan of God. That last slide uh, that we have is back to Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 where we began. And it says this, in the third year, the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Okay, we got that already, right? But then it says this, and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Ooh, this is where we struggle. Um, why? You know, uh, it, it wasn't just, it wasn't just that they're God's people, there's God's protection, his blessing, his promises being worked out in their lives, their, their city, their time, their nation. God was working in them, protecting them. It wasn't just simply that God said, oh, you don't want to listen. I'll step away. I'll remove my hands. It, it was much more than that. It, used, it uses picture in the last passage we looked at too. It had similar wording. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Whose hand? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. And so I, I just want to point this out at the outset of, and I want us to struggle with it. I want us to struggle with it. That, that Daniel was in captivity and the others that were with him, they were captives in a different land outside of the land uh, of God's people, outside of Jerusalem, outside of Judah, not in Israel. They were outside. They were in a captive land. Why? It was the plan of God. It was the plan of God. He was working out his plan. And somehow as part of his plan was that God's people would be taken into captivity. Okay? I want to leave us there. I realize that's a little difficult for a place for us to leave this morning. I just want to say this, that, that as we read this, as we read this passage and these passages and get this history, most of us say things like this in our hearts. Some of you say it out loud. You say, huh, that's not the way I would have done it. I, I wouldn't do it that way. If I was God, that's always a funny thing to say. If I was God, you're not. Just remember that you're not. If you watch the news, you're not. You're not. No one's even calling you for consultation. 
Okay? We say things like, well, that's not the way I would have done it. Or maybe we would say this, it doesn't even seem like that's the right way to do things like that. How? That doesn't seem like the right way to do it, God. To use ungodly people that aren't your people to take your people into captivity? Huh. Doesn't seem like that's the right way to do it. At least to me. Maybe even taking it a step further and saying this. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem fair. God, as you're working out your plan, and I see it, it's obviously part of your plan. It's here. It's, that doesn't seem fair. I want to encourage you to think about these things in the weeks to come as we d- dig into the book of Daniel. I, I want to take a, a step back, though, too. Um, you are one of two things here this morning. You are one of two things. You are God's possession, his child, his redeemed one, the, the ones that your debt is paid and the victory's won. That, that's where you sit and stand this morning. Or you're a free agent, kind of. I say free agent because you say, I, I, I'm not, you know, you're, you're standing back and you say, hey, I make my own decisions. I'm aligned with no one. I'm, I'm kind of floating here and there and looking for the best deal for myself. You say, I haven't chosen yet. You, you know, somebody even say, I'm agnostic. I'm agnostic. And you say, I'm not in or out. I'm just kind of on the edge here. I'm, I'm checking things out. And I, I say, that's fine. But the scripture says you're enslaved to sin. You're not a free agent. You're stuck. You're stuck in your sin. There's a debt that hasn't been paid. In fact, it also says in the book of Romans, it says that your enemies, your enemies, the God who loves you so much, the God who gave his son. And I just want to tell you, I just want to tell you that there's no motivation from the book of Daniel if you're not his. There's no motivation. If you're not a child of God, if your sins haven't been forgiven, there's, there's no motivation. In fact, the book of Daniel should be discouraging over and over again if you don't know him. Because the idea of doing and, and obeying God that you don't know, that you don't have a relationship with, isn't worth it. Isn't worth it in the beginning. And then in the end, when it talks about the plan of God unfolding, it should be terrifying that you will not participate in the blessings that are to come. I want to encourage you that first things first, are you a child of God? I want to talk more about that. I'd love to. I'd love to. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessings of your word. Uh, as we prayed at the beginning, Lord, we do ask that the study in the book of Daniel would be profitable for our own soul and equip us for the days ahead, fit us for heaven, uh, give us confidence and hope and Uh, understanding of the days that are to come. God, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you sent your son, Jesus, the one who will be on king and throne forever. God, we thank you for working out your promises in the Old Testament, New Testament, and in us now. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.